This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is the Sports Edge with Rick Wolf on your flagship station for New York sports. The Fan, Sports Radio 66 and 1019 FM, WFAN, New York. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Rick Wolf's Sports Edge. I'm your host, Rick Wolf. Well, like last week, I'm hoping we can cover several topics this morning. Everything from the continuing concerns about uh, young athletes and social media gaffes to the rebirth of something called Silent Sunday, and also how to stop sports parents from being obnoxious at their kids' games by videotaping the uh, out-of-control parents. And as always, your phone calls are, as you know, key to this show. Uh, our toll-free line is one 337 6666 That's brought to you by Mohegan Sun. Unlimited possibilities await you at Mohegan Sun. You can plan your stay at mohegansun.com. Okay, here we go. Now, please forgive me, but for the life of me, I still cannot understand why so many of our young, talented athletes decide to post unbelievably stupid, vulgar, and offensive things in social media. Now, we've discussed this topic on the show several times before, and we've talked about how we need to get our young people to try and to think ahead before they put something out into cyberspace that everybody can read and react to. It just doesn't make any sense, especially for our kids who supposedly know how to handle social media a lot better than we, the so-called old people like you and me. And yet, and yet it just continues. The latest stupid young person to do this of course, uh, Josh Hader, the, uh, the, the gifted all-star pitcher for the Milwaukee Brewers. Now, while Hader was giving up a three-run homer to, uh, to uh, Segura in the all-star game last week, uh, when he finally got back to his locker in the clubhouse, Hader was stunned and amazed to see that his cell phone was exploding with messages. Apparently, lots of his fans had discovered a bunch of his racist and offensive tweets from a few years ago when Josh was 17. He's now 24. Now, once he realized that he was under the bright lights of the, of the media microscope, you know, he apologized and said that he had been young and immature when he posted that stuff, but that he's matured since. Okay, it was a fine apology, but I ask you, how stupid must Josh Hader have been when he was 17? And yes, he said all the right things in his public apology, and of course, this will be all forgotten until the next big-time athlete posts something stupid via social media. You know, you remember last year, there was that teenage girls softball team that was about to play in a national championship game on ESPN when half the girls on the softball team decided to pose for a photo on Snapchat where they were making an obscene gesture? Well, did any of those girls think ahead? Obviously not, because 
it was on Snapchat, which disappears in just a few seconds, or so the girls thought. So they posed in front of a camera, making an obscene gesture, assuming that would go away in a few seconds. Except that someone took a picture of that photo and then sat, sent that out on social media, and it went viral big time. Well, as I recall, the, uh, the girls who were in the photo with the rest of their team, they were all suspended. The team was disqualified and was not allowed to play in the championship game. The entire episode was, quite frankly, disgraceful. Because none of the girls ever said, hey, wait, maybe doing this photo could get us into trouble. I mean, it's just, and this, this is just an endless stream of these things. I mean, so sports parents and coaches, how are we going to stop our athletes these days from doing this? I know some college coaches, I mean, they, they'll just take away the players' phones on game days just so the kids won't be tempted to post something dumb. Should we do that also with high school kids too? Or if we do that, are we missing out on an opportunity to teach kids how to act like grown-ups, like, like adults? Or maybe kids today don't say anything as alarming about this as we do. That is, kids know if they do something wrong, they only have to you know, utter an apology. And then seemingly the incident is forgotten. But is it? We all know that a lot of athletes lose out on playing in a national televised championship game softball game. That's already happened last year. Kids lose college scholarships. Kids who become big league all-stars are embarrassed by their postings from several years ago on social media. one 337 6666 What can be done to finally get the kids, the kids who are supposed to know social media and online stuff a lot better than we do, how can we get them to finally wake up and, and pay attention? Okay, let's start our conversation this morning with uh, Mitchell over in Fort Lee. Hello, Mitchell. You're on the fan. Hey, good morning. How are you? Listen, you know what? This is a great topic because you know what happens is that, you know, I believe that kids that are young don't understand what the effects is going to happen five or six years down the road. And now kids that are using Facebook, Snapchat, they're using different names because they don't want to get caught with the colleges or work trying to catch up with the, you know, they go drinking, they take pictures and everything. But the, the bigger part is I'm a parent, I'm divorced, I have a 14-year-old daughter, and you try to teach them at a certain age that social media, if you do something now, it haunts you down the road. And look what happened to the Major League Baseball player. A great pitcher, he's having a great career. Look what they found out about him. It comes down to, it comes down to teaching your kids what's right and wrong. And, you know, and, and kids have to learn. It's like anything. If you teach your kids not to smoke cigarettes or not drink and drive, that's the way that you do it. It should be the same thing with social media. For social media, not just for kids, for anybody, can destroy anybody's lives. And sometimes I feel, and you might agree or disagree, you might be accused of something, and it might not be true, but if it gets out there, you're destroyed. Your, life, your, your career can be done. Won't you agree? Mitchell, I, I agree, uh, and thank you for the, the call. You know, in fact, it's funny. I, I can... I can recall that a few years ago, I was about to offer a young man uh, out of college a, a full-time job, and, and he had a great resume, a uh, terrific kid, most presentable. But then, to Mitchell's point, as a simple background check, I decided to look at uh, this young man's Facebook page, and from what I saw that he had posted, it, it was so upsetting that I immediately changed my mind, and I de- decided not to offer him the job. I mean, it just, I couldn't, I could not reconcile, you know, who this kid was as according to his Facebook page as to what I wanted to have somebody working for me uh, in my office. And to this day, I'm sure that kid has no idea why he didn't get the job, 
But the truth is, he was a victim of his own Facebook postings. In other words, social media cost him a job. I mean, this is this is where kids don't seem to understand what's going on about the impact, the long-range repercussions of putting things out there, either on Facebook or uh, in Twitter or Snapchat. These things do co- come back sometimes to haunt you. Let's move on. Let's go to uh, let's go to Jay over in Richfield Park. Jay, good morning. You're on the fan. Jay, there. All right, let's move on. Let's go to uh, let's go to Jerry. Uh, Jerry's in Brooklyn this morning. Jerry, good, morning. good morning. Yeah. Good morning, Rick. You took you took my thunder. I've um, worked in um, education and career services for many years, and what I and in employment and helping uh, people, especially with disabilities, find employment. What I tell them regarding social media is when you walk out of an interview at HR chances are the first thing they're going to do is Google your name. Of course. And and they are going to find out a lot of information uh, today. Second thing I just want to bring up very quickly is, and I heard this on your show, a gentleman that you had, and I, and I just didn't forget it. It was a great point. He said, would you throw the keys to the family car to a 16-year-old? Yet we give 9-year-olds cell phones with no social media etiquette because they probably know more than the parents. Hmm. And I think it's a growing problem uh, down the road, and I think a lot of people are just so addicted that they have to get on and say stuff, and um, I think it's here to stay, but uh, that's my my experience thus well, far. Thanks, Jerry. Rick. Have a good day. Thanks, Jerry. And along those lines, yeah, I think there is a, an underlying parental issue here, uh, you know, that, that yeah, you just wouldn't give a kid... Uh, who's never been trained uh, or taken driving lessons to say, here are the keys of the car when you're, you're 15 or 14 years old. Uh, the same way you give a kid a phone when they're 9 or 10 and don't really sit down and, and try to basically teach them and, and, and educate them about the, 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 the good and the bad of, of having a, a, a cell phone and, and what you need to know in terms of protocol so things don't come back. And again, I think there's also a generational uh, disconnect here as well that kids today maybe in their as they in their early teens or whatever they don't see this uh, you know using social media the same way that we do they don't obviously you said they don't seem to be as as concerned because maybe they just want to use social media to have people to draw attention to themselves and as a consequence they'll 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 post anything they want in order to get a, a rise out of people who who read their stuff I, I, I again I think there's a mindset here with young people today that perhaps uh, the parents and coaches don't seem to uh, grasp or absorb. But, and I think that's a real problem. It's not going away. It's only going to get worse. As I said a few minutes ago, uh, you know, Josh Hader was the most recent example. I guarantee there'll be somebody next week, the week after that, who does something stupid online. And that, it is a real concern. Let's go over to, um, to Brian and Jackson. Brian, good morning. You're on the fan. Hey, what's up there, Rick? Yeah, Brian. Hey, well, social media is here to stay. Uh, let's face it, the president's on social media, and the reason why he does it, he tries to bypass the media. He wants to get something out there in response or get something out where he wants to stay. And he's also caught in the younger voters. That's why he's on it. These kids today, they've grown up on this. This is part of their lifestyle. This is them being flamboyant. This is them being anonymous. They can respond very quickly. These kids love it. And you're always going to have peer pressure. You're always going to have stupid kids, and I hate to say that to people listening, but you're going to have stupid kids who are going to do stupid things. Mm-hmm. And this is the thing that they grow up with, and it's just going to be something that's out there, and it's always going to go back to it. Look, you were on Facebook, you were on this, you did that five years ago. 
and that's just the way of life. Now, you're not you're not putting this horse back in the barn. You can go. This is this is a great quote. And I'll tell you right now. I the only guy I've ever heard who really dealt with this good was Dino Costa. He just said, "Throw the cell phones out the window." <laughs> <laughs> but dude, you're not going back. The horse no, is out of the barn. The kids are having the fun. I, I agree with you, Brian. That we're not going to go backwards. That's why I do think uh, that that the the next major step is for parents to really make a concerted effort to basically, when they give their kid a cell phone, to really educate them. Or maybe there's something we, we do in school, that just uh, to educate our kids about the power that they're being given by having a cell phone. And uh, as you said, yeah, obviously President Trump tweets all the time, you know, to bypass the media. I mean, But that's the kids pick up on all this stuff, and they understand they can do the same thing, but they don't always understand exactly what they're putting forth and how that can come back to backfire on them. That's the real concern here. And I, I hear you, Brian. Thank you for the call. I, I just don't know. I mean, I, I, I assume that parents uh, at some point have to sit down the same way you would you take things seriously, like I say, uh, driving a car or getting ready for SATs or ACTs or whatever it may be that are critically critical junctions in a kid's life. But you're going to have to understand when you give them a phone, you understand there's both good and bad about that. And you, especially with social media, kids have to get at least educated from the parents and understand just how, how important it is to understand how to control that power and to think ahead. That's the key here, to try to get kids to think ahead. If I put something out there, how is it going to be received by my my friends, by my teachers, by my, uh, my my the parents of my girlfriend, the parents of my boyfriend. How am I going to be perceived by what I post out there uh, in cyberspace? And that's what we have to educate our kids to understand, to teach them to look upon their the actions and the consequences of their actions. All right, let me let me um, let me take a pause. Uh, when I come back after Dave's uh, update. Continue with your phone calls, talking about social media, and we'll talk a little bit about Silent Sunday as well. Stay with me. And welcome back to the Sports Edge. We're talking right now about the social media issue. How come our kids, who know this stuff a lot better than we do, how come they can't seem to get over the hurdle of understanding that what they post, if it's stupid or offensive or profane, that's going to come back to hurt them? It's just an ongoing issue, and we can't seem to figure out why they don't seem to get this and to think ahead and think about the consequences. one 337 Let's go to Dave over in Montvale, New Jersey. Dave, you're on the fan. Hey, good morning, Rick. Uh, enjoy your show. As usual, a very uh, pertinent and thought-provoking topic. Uh, I guess I have two points. One... I think your focus, and appropriately so, is very narrow in that it focuses on athletes and sports. But this is really, as another caller alluded, a very, very uh, endemic societal problem. I mean, we've got kids in New Jersey committing suicide because of social media bullying. Mm -hmm. Uh, Most famous case a few years ago was a Rutgers student who, uh, I think, jumped off the George Washington Bridge after being outed on social media. So... This is a very, very broad uh, endemic problem, and I think uh, I'm not totally pessimistic, but it's a little bit like the Dalai Lama wanting to uh, free Tibet by uh, uh, exercising compassion one person at a time over the next hundred years. Uh, But I I do fully support the concept you put out. Uh, Parents may or may not be able to help, and that's an individual thing, but I think a school program just like health or physical education, 
mandatory, devoted to social media, uh, whatever you want to call it, etiquette or so, just social media, uh, could could do could do a lot of good, even if it just stops a couple kids from yeah, Dave, bullying or. I, I, excuse me. I, I agree with you, and I, I think that is where we're going to head next because. Yeah, as you said, obviously social media issues uh, and obviously the purview of this show is sports, sports parenting. But clearly this is, a, is an epidemic across the boards. And, um, and and I think you're right. And Dave, thank you for the call. The, the, the fact is maybe this is the next wave of education uh, in our schools to get our teachers uh, to put up some sort of curriculum where kids have to take a course uh, in, in social media etiquette and understand the implications of what they do. That course should not be where kids are seniors in high school. They should be taught this probably, I guess, in I guess seventh grade or sixth grade uh, before they really get uh, full full bore involved in this stuff to understand what they're doing and and the concerns thereof. Uh, much the same way, you know, there should be uh, financial literacy should be taught in more schools to give kids a better understanding of how money works in society. But again, that's that's going a far field. But with social media. This has got to be something done. I guess that the parents have to obviously, uh, you know, they're the first uh, way to educate kids. But certainly, the schools might want to consider this as well. Let's go. Uh, let's go to Ed over in Elizabeth. Ed, what do you think about all this in social media? Well, I'm going to be honest. The parents got to control this a little better. And I'm going to share a story. I just had a nephew who just played Division One athletics. Now I have a niece that's going to play Division One athletics. Yep. My my sister every night checked their Twitter accounts. And if there was anything negative on her, she made him get it off right away. Mm-hmm. She understood the situation about that. And I like to share a story because I was at a, a team showcase event three years ago uh, at St. Joseph's University. And the assistant coach there spoke about a situation that an ACC school had. They had two, two legitimate prospects coming to visit them. They checked their Twitter accounts. When those two kids got into the office, because the Twitter accounts are bad, the head baseball coach gave them their, gave them their plane tickets back to fly back home and all that stuff. And I, so I, it's, it's true, and it happens all the time. And, it, and you know, again, when you get to the end there of, of high school and you're going on to play college ball, the kids don't understand the implications. Oh, they'll say, I just have to apologize and it'll be no big deal, or I made a mistake. No, the college coaches take this very, very seriously. Well, they don't want to deal with a kid who's going to be a problem with social media. Well, right now, my, my travel baseball team that I coach, I have a few kids that are going to be college baseball players. And I tell them, you know, that now they're starting to go visit some schools and all that. And I told them, you better, you better clean up your Twitter account if it's dirty and all that. Because if, it, if, it's, if it's not cleaned up, you're, you're, they're not going to watch it. They may even cancel your visit and all that stuff. Yeah, and so it's, I, it's, it's, you know... <laughs> You and I both know this, uh, and, and uh, you know it's just unfortunate that kids either don't hear this or maybe their parents don't hear this, but it's, it's uh, unfortunately that every so often that this comes back to haunt them. And, um, yeah, the college coaches who are basically giving out uh, you know, college scholarships, they don't want to deal with a kid who may come back to, to uh, you know, backfire on them what they post on social media. So it's, it's really an important lesson. Rick, back when we coached, we were consi- we were part-time coaches in the college level. Now they're full-time coaches. They're getting outstanding salaries. They want to win. And you know what? Colleges now, if you start bringing kids in that are troublemakers, they're going to give it to those coaches now because of, of, of the type of uh, uh, 
athletes that you're bringing into your program. Uh, so, you know, the, the college coaches are under pressure, too, to bring in the right right. Right oh, Ed, there's no question, and, and as always, thank you for the call. You know, the, have a great you too, Ed. And, and the fact is, yes, if if I were coaching today, the college ranks, and and as Ed says, back when I coached, you know, the you know there was no real money to be made as a college coach. Nowadays, of course, they're uh, they're making humongous salaries, and obviously, they're very keen to make sure the kids they bring into their program are 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 really great citizens. And the first thing I would do if I were recruiting a kid is obviously after I've seen him work out or play and so on and so forth, is do my homework, do my due diligence. And that would include checking out the kid's uh, social media profile. And if there's anything on there that would be disturbing or, or give me pause for concern, I move on. I mean, there were literally thousands and thousands of great athletes at the high school level that you can recruit. So why do I want to take a chance in a kid who seems to be a, might be a, might be a question mark because he does what he posts on social media. And that's where kids don't get this. They don't understand. As I mentioned in my story before, I had a kid I was looking for to hire and then I checked out his social media material. I said, Oh, I can't have this kid working for me. I, I couldn't trust him. And that's how it happens. That's what, that's, that's the impact. That's the consequence we're talking about. Let's go on. Let's go. Uh, let's go to our friend Jack over in Farallon. Jack, what do you think about social media and kids today? Hey, Rick. How are you? Good, um, Jack. Well, it is a big uh, epidemic, and it's something that we're not going to correct because it's out there, like the other callers had said. Uh, I take a course every year on cyberbullying for health. All right, and. Um, Real quick, you know, one of the things that happened is I went into this class. There were 12 teachers uh, from, through, from throughout the state of New Jersey in this course, and they were six desks facing each other with laptops. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the room, there was another person sitting there. Nobody told us who they were, and we all introduced ourselves. So the instructor said to me, Jack, just here's, the, here's, all, the, here's all the addresses, email addresses for the people across from you. Say hello to Kathy uh, across from you. Before the, before Kathy got that message, that person at the end of the desk had it. She read it before Kathy could read it. Yeah. What the kids don't understand, Rick, is that every time you push send, anybody in the world can get it. Yep. And and the kids are not afraid of consequences anymore. I read a book real real quick, Rick. I read a book years ago written by Sven Nader. He was one of John Wooden's players, and big, he wrote a book sure. called "You Haven't." They haven't taught. Uh, you haven't. Yeah, they haven't learned until you teach. So understand something that you're not a teacher until the person you're teaching is learning, and the parents today need some education too. I have a card when I mentor my kids, and this is the only way we're going to get through to them is to teach them the right way. And in that book, that book by Sven Nader, it taught people how to teach, not just what to teach, but how to do it. And a lot of parents don't have that. I have a card that I give every one of my kids that I, can, that I mentor and counsel. And on the card, it says, think before you speak and think before you act. And then on the back, it says, and what should I think about? The consequences to what you're going to say or do, because it could end your career and possibly end your life. Well, Jack, that's, that's, that's exactly that is, that is extraordinarily well said and, and excellent advice because, let's face it, that's exactly what we're talking about here. And I, I'm not familiar with the book by Sven Nader, who, of course, was a big center at, at UCLA and played in the NBA for years. 
But yeah, if kids today aren't aware or aren't afraid of the consequences, well, the, we, we, somehow we have failed them as parents because, or as educators because they have to be understanding the consequences because you're not going to get that many chances in life, and if you keep screwing them up, you're going to end up uh, in, in a bad place. It's as simple you as know, that. So. Our, our biggest problem, Rick, is that we have no consistency. Most of these parents are both working. Kid comes home from school. There's nobody guiding. There's nobody counseling. There's nobody there to be with them. And they're free to do whatever they want. They're free to do anything they want. Yeah, and, and, and that's, that's yeah. not going to go away. I hear Jack, as always, thank you for your, your counsel. I appreciate it. Thanks, Jack. And, 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 you know, the thing is, yeah, and because, as Jack said, because the kids, are, the, their phones are with them all the time, they're ubiquitous, if they have a lot of free time on their hands, what are they going to do? They're going to play with their cell phones and send out stupid stuff, and that's where we're failing. We're not teaching them about to understand the consequences of what they post, uh, and that's, that's a major, major, major concern. Let's go to uh, Mike up in Monroe, New York. Mike, good morning. You're on the fan. Good morning, Rick. Uh, I just got a place in Monroe, formerly from East Rockaway. Yeah. Um, handyman special and fixing up, so I'm up there now. Good. Rick, uh, excellent uh, subject as usual. You know what? Uh, social media, bullying that takes place, Twitter, the things that are said, that stays in cyberspace. And, you know, I mentioned to uh, my nieces and nephews and friends who have uh, younger kids playing sports, if you do that, you know, it's out there for everyone to see. And, again, it comes down to where are the parents? Yeah, you know, I, I, Mike, it, it is where are the parents because it, yep. maybe they didn't sign up for this when they first became moms and dads with kids and cell phones, but it's there now. Yep. It didn't exist 20 years ago, but it's there now. And as everybody has said this morning, it's not going away. And, and um, that's, yeah. that's the reality. So it's getting, it's getting worse, like you said, Rick. That's the reality. And, uh, you know, I'll leave you with this, Rick. you got people on deck. Oscar Wilde, you know, uh, came out with a quote years ago, famous playwright. He said, youth is wasted on the young. Yeah. And that doesn't apply to all youth, you know, but some kids just don't get it. And, you know, until their youth is over, they, they reflect on what they did. But anyway, Rick, another uh, great Sunday, great show. Thank you, Mike. I, I appreciate the call. Well, that's pretty interesting. In this one segment, we've had quotes from uh, Oscar Wilde to uh, Sven Nader. That's that's pretty good range for a Sunday morning. Yeah, this is a real concern. As I just said, parents, uh, it's, it's, and we all know this because we've talked about it for some time, being a sports parent today, and it makes no difference what sport your kid plays, whether they're a swimmer or a tennis player or they're a football player or, or hockey player, it makes no difference. If there, are, if you have a kid who wants to be involved in sports and and wants to compete and and make that part of his or her lifestyle, that's great. But understand, as a sports parent, it's a, so much more complicated these days than it was 15, 20, 30 years ago, when parents were really not around. You know, uh, you know, chauffeuring kids to practices and stuff like that. There certainly, weren't any cell phones. There weren't concerns about social media. But that's the world in which we live today. And if you're a parent. You're going to have to come to grips with the fact that when you give that kid uh, a cell phone for the first time, you have to explain to them about the power that's in that cell phone, both good and bad. And that's parenting 101 because we know it exists. And a lot of people call this morning about cyberbullying as part of social media. Of course, that's a huge concern today. We know that. But again, as a parent, it sort of starts with you when you give that kid their first cell phone. All right, let me, let me take a time out. When I return, 
a return to your calls at one 337 6666 Hey, friends, don't forget at uh, 9 o'clock this morning, Ed Randall will be talking baseball with you. And uh, speaking of Ed, I want to make sure you're aware of an upcoming event uh, which will be hosted by Ed Randall in conjunction with his fans for the Cure Initiative. Uh, July 24th at 7 p.m. at the School of uh, Visual Arts Theater here in Manhattan, West uh, 23rd Street. Ed's going to be talking about the current state of pitching and how to prevent pitching injuries. He's got a tremendous uh, lineup of guests, including Tommy John, Leo Mazzoni, and Rick Peterson. I mean, let's face it, when it comes to knowing about pitching, you can't do better than those guys. Anyhow, tickets are at $50 each. You can get them online at fansforthecure.org. That's fans, the number four, thecure.org. And just a real quick pop from my book. Uh, you know, there's a lot of talk uh, this past week about hell hitters and pitchers at the All-Star break, how they need to make adjustments to their approach if they had a poor first half of the season. Well, those adjustments all start with the right mental approach, and that's something I cover in detail in Secrets of Sports Psychology Revealed. Uh, so if you want to have teach your kid how to get better you know, trained at making mental adjustments, well, that's how do you do that? Well, find out in Secrets of Sports Psychology Revealed. You can order it on Amazon or find it in bookstores. Okay, right now we're talking about social media issues and why we can't get our kids to understand the consequences of what they post out there. one 337 6666 Let's go to Todd over in Jackson, New Jersey. Todd, you there? Yeah, I'm here. How are you? Good, Todd. What's up? Well, I'm an IT professional, and I actually see this all the time. I've done criminal investigations with um, with social media, and it's become a real, you know, a lot of, of your callers have said, a, a true epidemic. Yes. And one of the things that I consider almost social media to my kids is like giving them a license to a car. And one of the problems is that it's a weapon, and it becomes a real liability on, like you said, the college's acceptance and stuff. And I live in Jackson, New Jersey, and, and I don't know if you knew the story. There were some students that had a, a protest about uh, Black Lives Matter, and three of those students had that picture up on Facebook, and it actually cost three people some sports scholarships. Yes. But my whole point of this is that social media, as well as IT in general, will change. You will see social media, um, almost what they call it Web 3.0. That will come out soon enough, and Facebook and companies like Twitter and Snapchat will be gone. They, they will change and as it evolve to something else as everything does. Yes. Unfortunately, like you said, there, there's, there's no consequences and, and kids don't understand it. But I'll tell you this, just as, a, as a, a food for thought, there's a great TED Talk that's out there. And one of the things that this computer scientist, uh, PhD, talked about in this is less social media is actually good. And really the thing is, not use social media. The thing is that guys like us own networks. We don't use them. And, you know, we're, we're the ones making money off it. And the problem is that, you know, the, the epidemic of constant concentration and lack of focus has really been proven in the medical community now because kids cannot focus. Why do I need to see what this person is checking in the Dunkin' Donuts or, you know, or what did he say about me? That's so distracting, and it's a real problem with people just mentally and that's why kids, I think, can't focus on anything else. Stop and just read a book once, you know. <laughs> and, and I will not let my children have social media 
until they're at least in college. I refuse to absolutely let them happen. Well, Todd, I, you make you make a lot of sense, and you make a lot of good points, and uh, I'm glad you called in this morning because I do agree with you that, uh, and, and thanks for the call, Yeah, I do agree with Todd that, yeah, th- this is a weapon, uh, that why do we even need to have social media for our kids? And as Todd said, his own kids, he doesn't let them do that uh, until they're in college. I mean, these are all good points. I mean, if you're a parent today, you have to sit down and say, all right, if, if I give my kid a cell phone, why is it important for them to be on social media? Because I'm not really quite sure why it's important for them to draw attention to themselves. And there seems to me to be so many downsides, possible downsides to social media. You know, why do they need to do this? Um, it, it's a real, again, this all falls back, unfortunately, on the parents. You really got to think about exactly what you're giving this kid the power to do when you give him a cell phone. Let's go to uh, Ron up in Connecticut. Hi, Ron, you're on the fan. Uh, good, uh, listen, when I put a long, long time ago, uh, summer ball. We played against Sing Sing in the prison. Yeah. Uh, uh, Bordentown and Gratitude, okay? And the thing that it taught me was laws are invisible until until you break them. The problem today is that the kids should be taught in school what the consequences are of the laws that are on the books now. Nobody ever does it. The schools should teach it, and then the kids know if you do something, remember... You don't see the consequences until you do it, because nobody teaches you where yeah, the law but, are. But, Ron, I, I, I hear you on that, and it's not a bad thought, but, and thank you for your thought this morning, but I, I, I'm a little hesitant, honestly, to put so much responsibility onto our teachers to have to teach our kids about everything from, you know, social responsibility to think through consequences. I mean, we can't, we can't put everything on our, on our, our school system— they're there to teach our kids how to how to read, uh, you know, how to how to write English better and how to do math and science. They're not there to be educated necessarily on everything in life. That's the parents' job. Look, the most important job you're ever going to have in life is becoming a parent. You understand that that, that brings a lot of responsibility to to your shoulders, and you got to sit down and educate your kids about the consequences in life. And that's what you're. That's the job of the parent. You just can't delegate that or say, "Well, that's where the the schools got to you know step in and take care of that." Yeah, I do believe that schools might offer a course uh, to teach our kids about the power of social media, or maybe that's part of, of a course about social media. But the fact is, it all starts with moms and dads. Uh, let's continue on. Let's go to uh, let's go to Ron in Oceanport, New Jersey. Hi, Ron. You're on the fan. Ron, you there? I guess we lost Ron. Let's go then to uh, Louie over in Long Beach. Hey, Louie, you're on the fan. How you doing, Rick? Good, Lou. Uh, i just like to say that student bullying and intimidation in high school sports appears on Facebook, and this is a serious problem. Yep. Uh, I'll give you an example. There were two girls playing in an upcoming lacrosse game. One of the girls took away the other one's boyfriend. So all of a sudden, the social media exploded where uh, one was saying she was going to get one. The other one said that she was going to get her. So what ends up happening in the first five minutes of the game, one girl bangs the other one in the head. She ends up getting eight stitches. And, uh, you know, it it turns into a a crazy situation in the lacrosse game. Now, the the schools would have noticed that and paid more attention to it. That never would have happened, you know? What What I see is that 
We're just not paying enough attention to this, and we have to we have to pay more attention to Facebook and what's going on with, 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 with the kids I, are saying against other kids. I couldn't agree more, Lou, and, and and thank you for sharing that story. That that's typical of what happens if if we're not really focused on on the the consequences of the social media stuff. Anyhow, th- thanks for the call, Louis. Let me very quickly. I just want to transition before I run out of time this morning. You know, um, Silent Sunday. Silent Sunday, I first talked about this innovation about 20 years ago on the show, and it started off in a suburb in Cleveland at a kid's soccer game, and it quickly caught on. And I can still recall thinking to myself and asking, well, why don't we make every Sunday into Silent Sunday? You know, why do we just isolate only one Sunday where parents are basically told to be quiet and to just watch their kids play soccer? Yes, parents are allowed to applaud during the game, but they are not allowed to give voice to any other comments, either about their kid or their kid's team or the other team or the coaches or the refs. And I just read this past week we're in South Carolina. They're now going to implement this fall something called Silent September. It's the same concept as Silent Sunday except for the entire month. But again, why that's great, why only for a month? Does that mean that come October... After Silent September is over, the parents can go back to being loud and obnoxious again. So why not make every Sunday for the entire soccer season into Silent Sunday? Isn't that just common sense and the right thing to do? We really don't need parents screaming and hooting and hollering at their kids' games. I mean, you know, it's just I don't understand. It's a great idea. So make it every Sunday. and The parents can behave. You can applaud for a nice play or applaud for a goal or something. But everything else, just sit there and just stand there and watch. You know, there was a big piece this past week in the New York Times by our friend uh, Bill Pennington writing about a referee out in Oklahoma who's put together a website in which this, this ref posts home videos of parents who are out of control at their kids' games. Now, look, you've seen these kinds of videos before. Parents, you know, yelling and screaming and punching other parents or they're assaulting referees and so on. It's become, unfortunately, a routine part of youth sports in this country. In fact, you know, it's funny. About some years ago, I did a whole hour with Oprah Winfrey on her then very popular TV show. And the show began with an assorted montage of the same videos, parents fighting at kids' games, attacking refs, and so on. And even though we gave this issue a major push on Oprah's show, as we all know, this issue still continues. Maybe not as bad as it used to be, but in every town in this country, there are still a few parents who feel that they're somehow entitled to be jerks at their kids' games. And, and I just, you know, the other thing is, if, if you want to cut down on this, I, I would first strongly suggest that in your town, maybe you'd be the first town in America to say, we're going to have Silent Sunday for the entire season. Just make that sort of a, a mandatory practice. Or if you want, if you really want to get the point across about all this stuff, you know, just uh, bring a video camera or a cell phone, and when parents start getting rowdy on the sidelines, just walk around on the sidelines like you're videotaping the parents. Trust me, moms and dads get very chill when they think that they're being recorded for something that might go, you know, viral uh, online or be posted on this referee's website in Oklahoma. I mean, it's as simple as that. Parents get very, very nervous if they think they're saying and doing things that they don't want their kids to see later on in terms of, uh, of, of that kind of uh, behavior. It's as simple as that. But again, why not make the Silent Sunday the entire season? To me, it's just common sense, and it's a good idea. We should try it.
All right, let me take a pause. I'll be back with more. Stay with me. Let me see if I can get it one more call here. Let's go to Mary out in Long Island. Mary, uh, good morning. You're on the fan. you got about 30 seconds, Mary. Okay, I just want to thank you for a great um, discussion. It's an important one, and I hope it can be addressed again because it's something that parents need to hear over and over, just as their children do. Mary, thank you, and and uh, to, along those lines, and thank you for the call. Uh, I, it's funny, I, I'm I'm in the process of trying to put together a symposium or a seminar about social media issues and our kids. Uh, hopefully, I'll, we'll get something organized for this, this fall. But it's obviously a very pressing topic and something that we have to take seriously. As we've heard from uh, all the wonderful calls this morning. Yeah, I mean, we all know about the issues with cyberbullying and our kids today, uh, which is obviously of utmost and paramount concern. But social media, it has to be something that it starts with the moms and dads because they're the ones that basically finance the cell phone for the kid. And you got to sit down and explain to your son and daughter and over and over again in repeated uh, time frames to let them know that social media can cut both ways. And as one person called this morning and said, it's like a weapon. And that's sort of true. Uh, they ha- kids have to understand exactly what they have in their hand and how this can come back to backfire on them. The other thing, again, again, the consequences. Our kids today have to be schooled and tutored about thinking ahead. What are the consequences of my actions when I put something out there in, cyber- in the cyberspace that can come back to hurt me? Particularly if you're an athlete who's looking maybe to go on to play sports in college, you put stuff out there that's wrong or stupid, it can only hurt you. It's as simple as that. And, of course, we've already heard so many examples of this. And the question is, it's going to keep repeating itself. Uh, Anyhow, that's it for me in this edition of the Sports Edge. My thanks this morning to Kara Ann and to Dylan. Please stick around for Ed Randall. He's up next. I'll see you next Sunday right here on the Sports Edge. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.